I am Linda. And I'm Sarah. I'm a boomer mom. I'm a millennial daughter. And we're here to talk about relationships. All kinds of relationships. So without further ado, let's, let's get, get relational. relational. Welcome to our fifth episode of Let's Get Relational. <laughs> Number five. Number five. Um, we are going to be talking about commitment today. Yes, commitment. Some of you may be commitment phobic and not want to do anything related to commitment because then you don't want to do that. And others of you may be the type of person that fully commits themselves to every single thing in their life. Oh, how exhausting. <laughs> um, so, which leads us into the first topic that we wanted to discuss, which is your response to commitment. So some of you may not like commitment or committing to things. You may think it ties you down, it takes away your freedom, that it's just a burden to you. Um, and you know, that's okay. Um, it doesn't always serve you in creating a long lasting relationships, but if you're also more interested in having, knowing a bunch of people at a shallow, shallower level, like that's your choice and you're welcome to do that. So we're not trying to say that you can't do these things, but if you're looking for intimacy, a deeper connection, um, and uh, long lasting relationships, commit, committing yourself to them and showing up and making an effort, it's pretty, pretty up there on the level of importance. Yeah, and we encourage you as we're talking about all these topics, and, and we probably should have said this in the beginning, some of this you may not agree with, mm -hmm. uh, like totally great. What we're after more than anything is for you to develop an awareness and a consciousness of your choices around these things. Mm -hmm. So for us, the response to commitment is super important. So I have a higher level of commitment and love my commitment to my child. That's like, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but um, it's easy. Yeah. Really. And um, you were supposed to laugh there. It wasn't funny. Oh. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, it, you know, it's your level of commitment really varies and your response to commitment really varies, but you really need to check in with where it feels like uh, commitment might be something you're shying away from. And there's some parts of my life where I realize that I have some, um, some thoughts and some stories about what commitment might mean. So as I entertain ideas of dating and being in a, a committed romantic relationship it's like oh will that take my freedom away will that be an mm -hmm. anchor to me will that be something that lifts me up and expands me you know what kind of commitment do I want and who's the person who's likely to give that to me both in a romantic relationship and with my friends yeah and the other thing about your response to uh, commitment can also be related to commitments you've seen in your life and other relationships so because um, sometimes uh, people will make choices to stay in committed relationships where they're not necessarily happy or that they feel tied down in some way. And so you've watched, maybe your parents are like, the, something happened like that with your parents, maybe a sibling, an older sibling, or um, uh, uh, some member of your family, maybe you, you saw that. So you've had experience with that. And so you're kind of like, hmm, maybe commitment isn't that great. Or the relationships that you were, uh, were experiencing um, uh, or were able to see um, weren't necessarily healthy in their commitments, um, which would make you not really want to commit and maybe not really like commitment. And if you're trying to 
make things happen in a relationship, you're just like, eh, I don't really want to commit because it's because it's scary and it's like it's not what you want because all the commitment that you've seen maybe wasn't great commitment, um, a positive commitment um, for those relationships. And even minor commitments like somebody invites you out for a barbecue on Friday. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of waiting to see whether there's a better offer, how you feel, you know, you don't commit. So the other person has a hard time making plans because Mm -hmm. they've invited 20 people to this barbecue. Everybody's just kind of taking a chill pill and trying to decide whether that's the thing that's going to be the most fun on Friday. Mm -hmm. And so we we are in a, a little bit of a commitment phobic society in some ways in terms of people actually being willing to say, yes, that'd be great. I would love to be there. And mm-hmm. you know those friends of yours that every time you are asking, they're there. And it does not, this does not seem to matter generally, generationally. Yeah. I've talked to people my age and older. I've talked to people Sarah's age and younger. And getting people to actually say that they'll do something and then follow through is sometimes a challenge. And, and part of that has to do with other people's response to commitment. Like that's going to tie them down. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing to say you can't change your mind. You wake up Friday and you don't feel good. Well, you shouldn't go to that party then. Yeah. But but that's not what we mean. You know, what we mean, like, you know, if, if somebody invites you to something, check in with yourself. Does this feel good? Like, do I want to say yes to this? And is it a whole body yes? Or is it like, eh, well, I could. But, you know, let's see if something better comes along. Uh, you know, I, I have some issues with that. I, it's like, I, I rarely will do that. Do you mm-hmm. do that with any of your... No, not not really. Yeah. Um, I I I'm like I prefer to either say yes or no to something, and I know uh, some people have hard, have a really difficult time saying no. Um, so right. that's the other thing about are, do you have a time do you have a hard time saying no to things? Because that might be why you don't want to commit because you're you don't want to say no, but you don't want to say yes. So you're just kind of waffling on there for a while but for me personally no like I'm gonna say yes or no the only time um I might stick it on as a maybe is if there might be something else that is happening and I'm gonna communicate that like hey there's probably I might be doing something else on that day so I'll have to see whether I can actually go or not or do the thing yeah so but yeah. I, I'm communicative about it and I don't just not respond right right so check in with what your internal response to commitment is Mm -hmm. and just see whether there's anything there that is pushing away commitments like oh no that's too much that's too much well like really get at the root at it is it that you're feeling like it would tie you down somehow is it feel like it's going to limit your freedom i don't like things to limit my freedom but Mm -hmm. i do like commitments i like being able to say yes to things and to Mm -hmm. people i like being able to say yes to experiences and i like to when i need to say no you know, if people invite me to go skydiving, that's a hard no. That's not, I have to think about it. It's right now at this stage of my life, and that could change. Right now, it's a hard no. If certain people ask me to do uh, certain other kinds of things, I, I might have to think about it and um, really check in with myself. So I might not be able to answer right in the moment, but I will think about it, get clear about what I want, and then um, be able to respond to it. And that takes us to our next point. But, oh, but you have wait, there's more. Wait, wait, there's more. Um, on the flip side, if you're an overcommitter, uh, also yeah. like look at are is is it difficult for you to say no too? Because sometimes it, it could be the opposite of oh I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to say no versus oh I hate I don't want to say no so I'll just I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Because um, I feel bad. I feel bad if I I I said no. So you just overcommit yourselves to things. Um, so it's also important to look at where are you, are you doing 
too many commitments. You have too many commitments in your life. And are you overworking yourself or, or are you overtiring yourself? So just look at that if where you might be extending yourself far beyond your capabilities because of something that maybe you're trying to avoid, like upsetting someone or something like that. That's the, the flip side of like running away from commitment versus you just charge forward without looking at the repercussions of all the commitments that you're dedicating yourself to, yourself to. Yeah, really, really check in with, are you being a people pleaser if you're saying yes to everything? And really what you want to do is sit at home in your recliner and watch a, a TV show. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I found that for myself during the pandemic, I had days when I was watching TV shows. And, and I'm just so thankful I feel better now um, because I feel like I can get back to my real life. Um, but there was a point in time where I didn't want to commit to anything. I didn't oh, yeah. want to do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it really, it, it became my way of coping just to honor what my body and my mind was saying, we need to catch up with this. This is going to be yeah. a long-term thing. And so uh, we need to figure out how to adjust to it. So physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything mm -hmm. for me, um, I allowed myself that space uh, to do that. And um, even during this, I've watched as some people say yes to everything they're so uh, not wanting to be alone or some of them are not wanting to be with their spouse or their family quite honestly yeah. and I get it yeah. um, but it, it's um, it's been an interesting thing to watch just where people are in terms of their ability to respond yeah. uh, to commitments and and the people who are, are selective about where they are being cautious it's been kind of funny mm -hmm. um, so you can tell where their commitments are they're not saying it um, but yeah. they always say yes to this opportunity and they sometimes say yes to you. So for me, I've just gotten to a place of like, oh, I see where their priorities are. That's cool. Yeah. Um, maybe they're not able to articulate it that way, but mm -hmm. I certainly get it. Um, and so I may keep inviting them. I may not. You know, it just depends on, on how I'm feeling about where they are in my orbit, which we'll get to in just a moment. So now can we move to the other? Yes. Yes. All right. Awesome. <laughs> So this is one that I uh, feel super strongly about, and I know Sarah does too, and your first commitment is to yourself. Your first commitment is to knowing yourself, to understanding what uh, gives you juice, what makes you feel good, what uh, makes you feel expanded and um, more available for emotional intimacy. And a lot of people try to skip this step, honestly, and that's an issue, that's really a big problem. When you skip this step, you, you are committing or not committing based on something that's out there in the ethers that you don't really know what it is. It might be your need to be approved of. And honestly, there are things that sometimes in my life I've said yes to because I wanted to um, be seen in a positive way by the people who invited me. I didn't necessarily want to do the thing, but I wanted to be seen in a positive way uh, at that stage of my life. I don't do that very often anymore. I, I can't think of a recent time I've done it where I wanted somebody's approval. Um, but that's that's definitely something that happens in our lives for a lot of us is, is that need for approval. And we so we say yes, because the other person wants us to, and we think that's gonna get us something. Uh, but in reality, if we checked in with ourselves, <clears throat> we might not have wanted to do that hike in the 95 degree heat with that person. <laughs> we might really have wanted to just stay home in the air conditioning mm -hmm. or go ride our stationary bike. Um, but because we didn't check in with us and we were just looking for that approval from them, mm -hmm. um, we didn't really get a good sense of whether it was something we should commit to. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you're, you should always be your number one priority in all things because your relationship with yourself is going to be everlasting. So, you know, have fun and why not and make sure that you are enjoying your life and having a great life and that you feel very good about your relationships as well as you, you know, like we have a lot of, um, uh, just in our society, we have a lot of low self-esteem um and that that's partially comes from you know constantly comparing yourselves to other people um uh comparing yourself to celebrities um and uh having these really grandiose expectations of who you're maybe supposed to be based on like what you're seeing versus like what you really actually want um because society likes to tell us what we're supposed to want but it may not actually be what you really want and what you really need so committing to understanding yourself and knowing what it is, what you truly want and not just what people expect from you or want from you is really, really important because then you're, you're in like internal stabilizers are going to be like, oh yeah, this is my equilibrium. Like this is where I want to be and this is where I want to stay. So if something gets out of place with either like in yourself because something's going on or because of something, um, a relationship or something, um, then you can look at it and be like, oh, is, is this working for me? And if and if it's not, then you can take a step back and reevaluate. But it's super important to just you to have yourself be the priority in your relationships um, and in life. The one thing I want to make sure we, we're talking about here, though, is sometimes you have a responsibility to care for an elderly parent or you care for children, whatever it is in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you still aren't putting yourself first, it means that you might put yourself first in different ways. So mm -hmm. um, if I always talk about being resourced. So if you're not feeling taken care of inside of yourself, you're not feeling like you're getting a shower, you're not feeling like you're getting your exercise, you're not getting your downtime, then you're not completely resourced and able to be totally available to people when they need it. And so if you're raising kids, you've gotta be able to say, I need some mom time, I need some dad time, I need some parent time, whatever it is, um, to, uh, to regroup for a little bit. So uh, let's make sure we're doing this. You have quiet time here, I'm gonna go have quiet time here. And that's taking care of your needs, but not shirking your responsibility and your commitment to whoever you're caring for. Um, if you're caring for an elderly parent in your home, you can't just decide I'm gonna go running when they need to have their diaper changed or their medicine administered. It's, it's making sure that you know what your needs are and that you fit them in um, to, the, to the day. And uh, it, it can't be that you fit them in once a month. Uh, when I was taking care of my mom while she was dying, I went to a caregiver seminar and one of the things they said was, many caregivers die before the person they're caring for does because they exhaust themselves, they don't ask for help, and they try to do everything themselves and they don't ever consider themselves first. And so that was a big wake up call for me to make sure that I was getting my needs met and then I learned to ask for what I needed. And for those of you who are in uh, really challenging situations, especially right now during the pandemic, you may be having to work at home, you may be having to take care of kids at home, you may also be taking care of elderly relatives at home. Really tough situations. And so you've gotta find those places where you get a little bit of that time to check in with yourself, find out what's missing and see what you need to do to, to make that happen. But again, it is committing to you first but I just want to make sure nobody's thinking we're saying you do this um, without really acknowledging what your responsibility is and the commitments you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's 
within situations you want to prioritize yourself but you also still need to be aware of like what you need to do in life so um which does lead us to uh how it's important that within a healthy positive relationship that it is a that for that to happen you need two people to both be um committed to it um they have to be committed to making the effort committed to making it work um, for it to be long lasting. Um, so, uh, and, and intimate that that's the other thing. It's important where you're both willing to have conversations, to make it work, to work through things, to make the effort, to stay in contact, to communicate, to have a really healthy and really great relationship. Um, because if you're, someone's not feeling that, then if someone, if you're the person that really wants the deeper connection, the other person doesn't, then your needs are not being met there. And so you need to reevaluate what it is that you can expect from that person and what you can really want from that person. Um, so it's having, it's being able to actively discuss, you know, and communicate about what it is that you want from the relationship. And are you both willing to commit to moving forward um, in in that relationship because um, that, that's the that's really important it's even and it's really important in romantic relationships especially um, because that's that's not gonna work out very well something's gonna fall apart if like one person is not committed to keeping it going and continuing to work at to change things. Um, but it can't be only one person. But it, that's the thing; it can't right. be only one person to do that. So that's why that's why it's going to fall apart eventually, especially in romantic partnerships. And it's going to like be doubled in that if you are um, someone who has feelings for multiple people and is polyamorous, then your your commitment to those relationships has to be like even more <laughs> than just if you're uh, someone uh, who's monogamous in their relationships. So. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things you have to look at is um, the levels of commitment. And I, I, I want to just bring this in here because I think it's super important to look at who is in your inner orbits and who's in your outer orbits mm -hmm. and where it's appropriate to have different levels of commitment. So in, in certain cases, your levels of commitment are going to feel fairly similar. If you have multiple children that are at a similar age, your level of commitment to them is going to be pretty similar. If you've got 10 year olds and 10 month olds, your level of commitment is going to be a little different. It's, it's not that your, your emotional commitment isn't there, but your commitment to um, how you show up is going to be different. And so, you know, the 10 month old needs your constant eye on them, right? Your 10 year old needs most of your eye on them, but they can be a little more independent and, and do their own thing a little bit more. But a 10 month old definitely has a heightened level of commitment to their safety and their mm -hmm. um, their uh, environment that you're conscious of. In uh, certain cases, I've noticed with my friends, they I, I always talk about it kind of in, in orbit. The people who are super close to me are in my inner orbit, and then it goes out a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So there are a lot of people one might call friends that are really more like acquaintances, like you know them, but um, a friend is somebody I feel like I can really count on. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of people in my life that I consider friends, but. I've never had occasion to count on them for anything, so I don't know whether they're in that inner inner orbit. Um, and lots of other friends I have had occasion to count on, and so I know that they're there. So the different commitment levels, you really have to look at what's appropriate in this circumstance and yeah. to acknowledge the person's capacity to give. That's the thing I wanted to go back to about what you were saying, Yeah, is that um, 
if there are two people in a relationship, it's a friendship, sibling relationship, parent child, it doesn't matter. What's the other person's capacity to give? And I don't like to judge it. That's the piece I've really been working on in myself is not judging their capacity, but being aware of it. Yeah. It's like, so this person has the a capacity with me to have the deep conversations, mm -hmm. which I love, um, to really go in there and talk about feelings and talk about challenges and to say, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, and this is what's in my way. Mm -hmm. Other friends, they don't have the capacity or interest. Um, they want everything to be light and fun and, and all we do is laugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that they, they, they serve a different place in my life and not any more important or less important. But, um, in those cases, I think they're a little less close to the, the deepest part of me just cause we don't touch there. Mm -hmm. And so the different commitment levels vary, um, in your life, they vary over time in a relationship, mm -hmm. uh, and they vary over the capacity of the person. The 10 month old and the 10 year old have totally different capacities for how they show up. The 10 year old can certainly be learning about their responsibility in relationship and their commitment to the family and to the parental relationship and to uh, their siblings if they have any. There's, there's no reason that 10 year olds can't get this. Uh, I've taught 10 year olds this concept. They get it really fast. In fact, they get it much faster than a lot of adults do. So those of you who are listening who are adults that feel like this is hard, it is harder for adults. If we didn't grow up this way, yeah. it's much harder. So I just want to acknowledge that. We, we get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's important to be able to learn this if you are looking for deeper relationships. Because, I mean, that's why you're here, isn't it? You know, to, to be able to better your relationships, which means creating deeper connections. And to do that, you're really going to need to commit to making that happen um, and seeing if it's possible. Because if you're wanting to deepen a relationship, you also need to be aware of like whether that person wants to go deeper. Um, you may want to go deeper, but they might not. So that's like a different commitment level for that particular relationship. So it's also being aware of what you can expect from the other person, what you um, what you can what needs you can get met through them. Um, and if they're not willing to meet you at that level, that's okay. That's, that's just their commitment level and that's their, where they want to stay. Um, and if, uh, if, if this causes you to like, want to like back off and like want to run, run away from the relationship, like think what's that reaction? Why is there an, a, a trigger for you? Um, if that, if they don't want to meet you at the same level, um, because some people just, because again, it's looking at their capacity. Some people just don't have the capacity at this moment or don't want to work on that capacity to reach those deeper levels. Um, maybe because they're more in the, um, they're not willing to touch uh, that part of themselves. So if you're looking for something deeper, um, because people also have a different commitment level for how they show up for themselves too. And so they may keep everyone at a, at a distance and may not get deep with anyone um, because that's really scary for them. Um, so it's also being aware of what they are capable of and where, where they're comfortable of going as well. Yeah, some um, people aren't comfortable now, but they want to be deeper. I, I have friends who mm -hmm. say to me, you know, I want that too, but I don't have any experience with it. Yeah. And so I'm willing to try and let's just see where it goes. But they're willing to be there and to, to show up over and over again mm -hmm. to have those conversations. So I know if there's something that triggers me in the way we're relating, I have one friend right now where I was feeling a little judged by something. And so I, I'm, I'm going to bring it up because I have got enough of a trust in that relationship mm -hmm. and we have enough experience to say, 
I'm triggered by this. I don't know if you mean this at all, but I, I just need to ask because I, 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 there's a part of me feeling like I need to defend my actions and my behavior, and I don't want to. I, I, I feel really good about my decision, but I feel like you judge it and you think I'm wrong. So uh, I'll figure out how I'm going to say that, but, but definitely I, I love having friends in my life where I can say, I'm feeling this way, or I'm feeling this way with this other friend. And I just need to talk it out a little bit and, mm -hmm. and be able to figure out what's going on for me because it's always what's going on for me uh, that, that's a trigger from the other person. It's not yeah. what they're doing. It's what is uh, happening for me. Like, am I doubting myself? So in this situation where I feel judged, am I doubting my decision? Am I doubting my behavior? And 99% I'm not. But that 1% where I'm like, well, maybe I should do something differently, should, uh, that's where I'm feeling like a little judgment from the other person. And so I really want to just check in with myself and, and know what my capacity is in this situation, what my friend's capacity is to have the conversation about it, and then to decide where we go with that. There are certain friends, if I felt that way, I probably wouldn't bring it up with. They're not people in my super inner circle, uh, but they're people who have like big reactions to things. Mm -hmm. So I can never bring those kinds of things up. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not like I need to get rid of those people in my life. I just need to not try to have that same level of, of relationship because it uh, it explodes in my face sometimes with the, these particular people um, who are in more the outside of my life, not that inner circle. Yeah, and that goes along also with um, people who attract a lot of drama as well. You might be that person who's kind of always has something like that's kind of big going on or feels big where you're stressed about something. And so, um, uh, it's also, and, and if you're in that, if you're that person, it's really important to understand uh, people's capacity to be there to support you, um, especially, especially if you're you're just looking for support and you're not lo really looking to fix the problem. Um, and uh, so, if you're kind of into this uh, cycle of constantly getting into something that's a little drama related and going to people for support. Um, it's to be aware of they, they, they may have to have a boundary for that. And then if you're the, on the flip side, if you're the person that's friends with someone who is attracting a lot of drama, um, it's really important to set a boundary of being able to like, I want to support you. I'm committed to being uh, friends with you, but, um, I can't always talk about you because that's what can tend to, ends up happening with someone who's constantly going through something um, and is dealing with something in, in that regard is that makes the relationship uh, often about them. So it's important to be able to also set uh, it up to be, I care about you and I wanna support you, but we also need to have this give and take. And some sometimes um, they'll be they're, they'll be able to meet that, you know, they'll be able to meet that need and be like, oh, right. My bad, um, and work forward through that. So that means they're committed to, you know, making that uh, friendship work. So it's it's just being able to uh, be aware of what your capacity is, and being able to, to ask someone their capacity or set a boundary for your capacity, so that you're not over committing yourself to a relationship. Because that's the other thing you can overcommit yourself to a relationship and burn yourself out um, if you're trying to constantly be there for someone. And, and it relates back to our uh, super friend, super partner uh, that we had talked about within, um, oh, wow. <laughs> I feel like it might've been 
Boundaries. I think it was boundaries. Pretty sure it was boundaries. <laughs> but um, where the concept of being all of the things for all of the people for or one person all the time, um, that's over committing yourself to um to support someone in all the ways that you can. And if you're doing that for a lot of people, you're absolutely just going to bring yourself out and not be able to follow through with, with the commitments that you've you've made. So it's important to be aware um, when you're doing that. Well, the other thing is if you are being the hero and the super person all the time, there's something missing for you usually in terms of your capacity for intimacy yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you are only able to be the giver and a lot of women get into this situation in their lives, um, a lot of women. And if you are only experienced being the giver, then you're depriving other people of being able to be the giver to you. And you're also limiting your capacity to have a full relationship and to have a balanced relationship. And some, sometimes what that does for people is it makes them very needy when they do latch onto somebody who is a good listener. Uh, both of us have the experience of people latching on to us to be able to do their drama or to be able to talk out everything all the time. And then they're exhausted and they don't really have any energy to li listen to anything going on with you or to even have a joyful uh, exchange. Yeah, and so there's always something going on for them. Yeah. So it's just like, it's constantly there. Something's always taking up their energy and their time. And when that happens, their ability to be able to be there for you is very different than your capacity to be there for them. So then it becomes more of a, it's tipping the scales and more of the relationship becomes about them most of the time. And then it's not a give and receiving relationship. It's more of you're, you're put in a position of giving um, in that way. And there's, there's really, honestly, there is nothing more rewarding than being able to give mm -hmm. and then to give somebody the honor of being able to give to you. And so for you to learn to receive, that was a big one for me. I had to learn a lot about receiving in my earlier years and I really just didn't get the joy that I was depriving other people of of giving to me so when we got evacuated during the fires it was really hard for me to let other people take me into their homes I was always the person who did that but there we were with just a couple of hours of notice and we had to find somebody that we could go stay with and it's funny because a lot of us are super independent people and uh, a lot of us had trouble with that in fact one of our friends said I'm just gonna go take my camper to the fairgrounds like, no, you're not going to just go to the fairgrounds. We're going to go together. We're going to find somebody who will house us, somebody who will take us in. And people were delighted. We had we had offers from the entire West Coast, the East Coast, of course, too, but that would have been harder to get to. But we had so many people offering to house either or both of us and, uh, and our other friend who was out trying to get housed as well. And I just so appreciate that mm -hmm. I had that opportunity to receive. It was hard for me. It was hard for me to feel like I was in somebody else's home that I didn't even know that well uh, and, and to allow myself to be taken care of. And it gave them such joy to be able to, to be that caring person. And I would have robbed them of that if I had just found some hotel. God knows where I would have found that that time. But, yeah. um, you know, to be able to say yes to people who want to do that is really a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't enjoy always being the, the giver anymore. I really, I really have learned to like receiving and, but it was a, it was a skill mm -hmm. that I had to develop in myself. Uh, and I had to learn to ask for what I wanted mm -hmm. and I had to learn to say when something didn't feel okay. Mm -hmm. and, and it's huge. It's huge. But it's really a turning point in your relationships when you're able to do that, when yeah. you're able to, because that's, that's what opened up the avenue for deeper intimacy. 
um, because in being intimate emotionally, physically, whatever with, with another person requires you both to be able to give and receive. So if you're only giving, you're, you're not allowing like a sluice gate to open on their end to be able to, uh, to return that. Um, so it, that's why it's really important to be able to have that back and forth of, uh, in a conversation and energy and love to be able to reach that intimacy that you're really looking for and you really want. Yeah. Awesome. So a final point we want to talk about is when to stay and when to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to start it first of all with not the complete dissolution of a friendship or a relationship, but just a moving of the orbit. So, and, and particularly during this pandemic time, I have found that there are certain people I can allow very close in. Uh, and some people I used to let really close in now because of the way they're reacting to it, I, I have to move them out a little bit. So I don't have any intention or desire to let go of them completely, but I had to move them out of my orbit a little bit because the, uh, the energy they were taking from me and the way that they were interacting was causing me to, to react in a way that I didn't like. And so for me to be able to get back to what felt good, that expansive, cautious, because I do believe in being cautious during this pandemic, cautious, but not fearful. I don't want to live in fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, to be around people who are 100% fearful all the time, I just can't do that. So mm -hmm. I can be supportive of them. I can see them, but not as much as before, honestly. I can um, put them out here a little bit so I can still have some interaction with them. And I'm not Xing them out of my life. I'm not going, yep, you're done, you're out. Uh, it's You just have to move out here a little bit. And uh, I think they're happier too. Because people who are in that that contracted state, it's not fun for them always to be around people who are feeling really great and expansive. And, yeah. and a lot of those people want to be around people who are miserable in the same way that they are, who are fearful or they're drama-filled or whatever. And for me, I had to really look at what was working for me and um, how did I keep these relationships and not destroy them? Because I think I could have destroyed some of these relationships by uh, being mean or you know, less than kind. And so I just learning to give space. And I, I think during this pandemic, I have learned to be so compassionate. I'm not judging anybody forever for anything that they're doing right now during this uh, shelter in place and the quarantine, because none of us know how to do this. None of us have ever been here before. Mm -hmm. This is a brand new thing that we're all having to deal with. And so for me, I, I just have to learn how to um, flow with all of this and, and have that be okay. And we will talk here in a sec about that there are times when it is important to just say no and I'm walking away from this relationship for now. And so what I want you to look at is the relationships you have in your life. Where are you feeling fed? Where are you feeling expansive? Where are you feeling filled up? Where are you feeling like that person meets you and wants to meet you? And even if they're not at your level, um, where are they wanting to be on the path with you? And that's what I love is, is I want people who want to be on the journey with me. Yeah, and they want I, to grow yeah, with so, you. So that's the biggest thing for me. I, I don't think for either of us, we're going to be friends with people who are like, oh, that's just the way I am. My parents were like that. My grandparents were like that. That's, that's just how I am. We're like, well, it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. You yeah. know, like, yeah, you might have had multi-generations that have brought that down to you but what do you want who do you want to be in the world mm -hmm. and uh so people who are like oh that's just fate or whatever they're just not going to be in our inner circle mm -hmm. yeah but uh on the other side of you know moving people just out of your uh, on like the outskirts of your orbit um there's also some times where you just have to let them go um and that 
is um, sometimes, and sometimes you may feel that way when you're in a reactive state um, and you're feeling really upset, really triggered or really angry that you kind of just want to be done with the relationship. Um, I implore you, if you're feeling that way, um, to really consider it that because um, I've had to walk away from a relationship with a parent and uh, that is not a very easy decision um, because going back to it, the relationship would not be the same um, with that parent or with the rest of that family. Um, so if you're in a situation where you're, you're feeling like you want to, if you're just really angry and you're just like, I'm just kind of done, really, really look at what it is that you enjoyed about that relationship, what is caught, what's triggering, triggering you right now. And then, um, is it, and with that going through a process of deciding whether you want to stay or want to go, of course, have your feelings about it, be angry, be upset. That's totally okay. Um, but then you have to then sit and process because most of the time, um, uh, you want to give the person another chance, a second chance and, and make it work. Um, I did that multiple, multiple times over the course of like a four to five year period of just um, uh, working through that. Um, and eventually it just got to the point where no matter how I changed my expectations, no matter um, how I changed what I wanted from the relationship. It was just not working for me. Something would just happen that I'm like, this is not, this is not working for me. This isn't okay. It doesn't make me feel good. And it was an accumulation of all of those things to a, um, kind of an explosive reset of just a, a total understanding of like, th this was like the last straw, basically like giving someone multiple second chances, um, and, and finally just, it was like enough, enough was enough. I couldn't, I couldn't keep giving myself to this, this person anymore, expecting them to be any different or trying to change myself to make it easier to have that relationship when I kept having to fit myself into a box. So if you're in a situation where it's, you're constantly giving someone else second chances, um, you're constantly having to reevaluate um, your expectations for the relationship and your expectations for this person and what you can expect to receive from them. Um, and you still are not getting what you need and you're still not very happy with it. That's when you might, that's when it's like the process and considering of letting that person go for now. Um, because you don't, when you shut the door on a relationship, that does not mean, that doesn't mean that you can never speak, you never can never speak to them again. Um, you can always come back to it and, uh, if you want to, and that's the thing, you, you don't have to, that door can remain shut forever. Um, but at least there's a door there and then you can open it and see what's on the other side. The relationship is definitely going to change and, uh, and be very different than when, than what it was originally, but you still have the opportunity and, and ability to, reverse that decision in a sense of like, okay, so I've had my space. It's been a really long time. Um, I want to see, um, where it goes and maybe that person may not change. It may have not changed and you just fall into it. They fall into the same pattern and you can be like, you know what? No, I'm still not, I'm not going to do this again. So it is also okay to, if you try to also step back again, you don't have to, once you try again, you don't have to fall into the same pattern. 
Um, and that fall goes, you know, back to our commitment to you first. It's really important that if you're trying to reconnect with someone that maybe you had a toxic relationship with in the past is that to be aware of like, this is what they were like before. If they exhibit any of these behaviors where that, that's it, I'm done. Like we're not, we're not going there again. And if they're not willing to change or willing to be aware of that, and they're still going through the same pattern, then, you know, it's okay to be like, you know what? I tried, I made the effort. I, I, I decided I wanted to see where this might ha uh, where this might go, if something might've changed. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You're allowed to take a step back again. You don't have to commit to a relationship once the door is open, you can close the door again, that's okay. Um, and you can go through that and check in and give people space and gives people space for years <laughs> before talking to them again. Um, there is no right way to go about like a a relationship in, in like, you know, there, no, there's no really right way to go about a relationship. There's not a formula that you need to follow. There's like key factors but you need to do what's best for yourself, especially when it comes to dealing with someone who, uh, to a relationship that doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. And I, I think when we are in relationship, we need to give each other permission to be who we need to be in that relationship. And um, in this situation with Sarah, it was very hard for me to just let her make her own decisions, honestly, because I really came from a background of just really firmly believing you needed both parents. And, and I, um, I talked with her therapist about it multiple times and the therapist said that starting when she was 15 the therapist said she's old enough to make her own decisions now and uh, she can decide where she wants to live she can decide who she wants to spend time with and you're there to be her cheerleader and her support and to ask her questions and and to love her no matter what her decisions are so when she made that decision it was it was not my decision at all but i totally respected what she needed to do in that situation and I really worked on supporting her uh, and loving her through that because it was not an easy decision. And one of the things we've talked about in other episodes is that there are consequences to all of your decisions. And that doesn't mean they're positive or negative, they're just their consequences. And so deciding not to talk to someone or not to have a relationship with someone often has a ripple effect on other relationships in the family or friends, that sort of thing. So you just have to be aware of what might happen uh, and in certain situations, if I had known what the breaking up process would have been like in that with that parent, I might not have been able to do it. It was it was pretty awful, and I don't know if I going into it if I had known how bad it was going to be and how challenging. I don't know if I could have done it. And it was the right thing for all of us, I'm sure, for my ex partner, for Sarah, for me. It, it really was the best decision. I think all of us are much happier. Uh, there are certain things I wish were different, but I don't have control over any of those things. I only have control over what I bring to my relationships. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it was a really great opportunity for me to learn how to support her, ask questions, help her as a parent understand what some of the consequences were of certain decisions, and be supportive of whatever she wanted to do, no matter what was going on inside of me. So I had to do my own personal work to get through the things that were challenges to me in her decisions and, uh, but they didn't have anything to do with her. So I didn't, I didn't want to be putting any of my stuff on her. I wanted to ask her those questions and, and, and have conversation in ways that helped her feel supported and, and understood and loved while she was making what were very difficult decisions for her. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you're someone who's on the like the outside of someone making a decision like that, you know, um, you know, you're you can have an opinion on what you're you think they should be doing, but ultimately, like, it's very important that you respect what de whatever decision that they make, um, because that it's it's like you know their stuff is their stuff, your stuff is your stuff, but it's also um, you can't make the right decision for them. They can't make the right decision for you either. That's your thing to make and their thing to make. So if that's the decision they make and that's what they think is best for themselves, then it's your job to respect it as someone who cares about them. Um, and not for you to say, tell them that they did something wrong or that they're gonna regret this. It's like, you can say, okay, um, I, I just wanna be sure and check in and just ask, it's like, I wanna be sure, is this what you really wanted? Um, are, are you okay with this? Um, and you know, and if, and if they think that's the right decision for them, then it's like, okay, you know, like I'll, then I will support you. And typically if you're having a reaction to this, it, because it's triggering something in your life, mm -hmm. it's triggering something that you're not happy with. And so you really check in with yourself about what it is that's going on for you that you're having this reaction to this person's decision. And you may even be a sibling in this kind of situation and feel judgy about what that person's doing to your parent. And that's not between you and the other, uh, the other parent. That's between that, that person who's making the decision and the parent. And then you have your own sibling relationship that really, if you work at it and you really care about that relationship, you'll learn to separate those. Uh, because in, especially in divorce situations, it gets really messy. Yeah. We, have, we have other people we know that it's gotten incredibly messy so that people aren't talking to each other and people aren't having relationships with each other. And it's sad. And yeah. it's like, I, I, I know that in this situation, I couldn't control anything that was happening. I couldn't fix anything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And I just had to say, I had to accept it and just know that she was going to be okay no matter what. And that was where my um, uh, commitment was, is to make sure that she was okay no matter what mm -hmm. and to support her through those kinds of decisions and the, the consequences those decisions bring. So the, the decision to stay or go, whether it's to just move them out of your orbit a little bit or to completely take a break from them is, is a really big one. And I, I don't take it lightly. Mm -hmm. I, um, I have moved people out of my life who I felt like were not in, um, not the healthiest people for me to be around. My own father was abusive and, and there was a period of time where I had to move him way out of my life uh, and allow myself time for healing. And so I was able to come around later, understanding what his capacity was. He'd been horribly abused as a child himself. I finally, as I got older, understood his capacity. And I had a little bit of a relationship with him before he died. And it was funny because I remember going to his funeral and, and a couple people who knew how bad things had been saying, well, I'm really kind of surprised you're at your dad's funeral. I'm like, well, he's my dad. And we did actually have a lot more uh, connection in that year or so before he died because uh, we really worked at it. We worked to have something with each other and I had done a lot of healing over the things that uh, he had done in my life and um, I didn't need to have that uh, that wall between us anymore and honestly if I needed it I would have kept it up and I have no problem with people who decide that that's just not what's mm -hmm. gonna work for them it's you you have to know what's right for you yep and there's lots of dis different situations where these kinds of um, decisions come into play. You know, you may have a child who's got big drug and alcohol issues or 
has uh, mental health issues and you can't have them around all the time. There are all kinds of things that you have to look at and decide what's the kindest, most compassionate way I can respond for myself and for this other person. Mm -hmm. And often that is to put up the barrier. I mean, you could have really destroyed that relationship. You could have destroyed her mm -hmm. uh, in the way you treated her rather than step back and say, you know what, I, I, this isn't good for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take, I'm going to take a step back and uh, take care of myself. And then we'll yeah. see what happens later. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, the commitment to myself was most important. And so I chose, I chose to take care of myself and my own needs. Um, and I do not regret making that decision because I wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you if I had it. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's just important to, to know and understand what it is that you need and being able to, um, either ask for it or take a step back and create space if that's what you need. Yeah. It's so important to just honor who you are, what you need and honor the capacity of the other person. Yeah. And so you can, once you identify the other person doesn't have the capacity to, for the relationship you want, you can still decide to stay in relationship. But in some cases where it's so toxic for you, mm -hmm. then you need to step back and really take care of yourself. And that goes for pretty much all relationships. And, and what I want to say is if you've got a relationship like that with a kid that you're responsible for or an elderly parent you're, you're responsible for, you still have to be responsible for them, but you have to learn a better way of relating with them. You can't expect them to do it if they don't have the capacity. And so there, there's a place there where you have to figure out what really works for you. Mm -hmm. And so we are so much in support of you knowing who you are, what mm -hmm. you want, knowing what your needs are and um, understanding where you can get them met. And um, lots of our needs need to be met internally, but lots of our needs are met in relationship. And uh, it's so important to be surrounded by the people that love you into your greatness, that want you to feel expansive, that want you to grow. And that there's nothing more rewarding than that. And for people who wanna like clamp you down and control you and tell you how you feel and tell you what you should think, for me, those relationships are much more challenging. Um, so I, they're not what I welcome into my life typically. Mm -hmm. So just to recap today on commitment, the first thing we talked about today was your response to commitment. Just check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. Am I relationship phobic? Am I commitment phobic? Uh, do I commit to every single thing that comes along and I'm exhausted now because I didn't commit to myself? Bringing us to our second point, which is to... Commit to you first. Your commitment to yourself is the most important thing, um, but still need to be aware of what uh, you need to do within your life for your relationships for or, or for anything. Yeah. A good relationship takes two people. You can't just have a good relationship if you're doing a thousand percent of the effort mm -hmm. and the other person's giving you zero. It won't be a hundred percent all the time, both mm -hmm. ways, but each person has to be willing to commit a hundred percent in order for this to work. Yeah. And then um, there are, so there are different commitment levels um, and it could be within uh, the relationship like that or within your different, what you, you need from other people. So you might have a different commitment level for people, you know, in certain aspect, parts of your orbit um, that you're going to spend more time with them or less time with them and stuff like that. So. And our final point is know when to stay and when to go. Mm -hmm. Know when to walk away from toxic relationships and get support for healing and know when to just put somebody out a little further because they're just going through a, a time in their life where you don't want to abandon them, but you just can't have them close all the time. So that's the end of our fifth episode of our Pillars of Relationship 
building and mm -hmm. improvement. Yes. So until next time, mm -hmm. we are looking forward to being with you again, and we love you, and we send you much love.